Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Are you looking to wager on all the big games in sports? Well, I have tremendous news for you. Our partners at Bet Online they continue to get it done as the number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. Everything from NFL playoffs to pro and college hoops, UFC, MMA, and more, you'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online, which is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. All you have to do is head on over to the website today. That's betonline.ag. Or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. It's all at betonline.ag, where the game starts. All right, folks, it is big game week, no doubt, as the Chiefs take on the Eagles for all the marbles in the big, big game. And we know the NFL is absolutely positively the uh, the biggest thing out there, and it's a great time to think back on all of the storylines in this NFL season, right? Tightly contested playoff races went to the last game of the season, record-breaking performances, and more. The most intriguing storylines in every NFL season go beyond the box scores and stat lines. From rookies breaking through to veterans going for one more title, we focused our discussions as much on personalities as playbooks, and today's sports journalists tell compelling stories about the people under the headsets and helmets. In fact, St. Bonaventure University's online Master of Arts in Sports Journalism trains students to tell stories in an increasingly digital environment. Aspiring NFL reporters and broadcasters learn how to podcast, tell stories on social media, and identify future opportunities for audience growth. These lessons can be completed around your schedule thanks to a 100% online format. SBU is the official education partner of the Buffalo Bills and has an extensive alumni network, including yours truly. And you know what else, folks? How about this? U.S. News and World Report further confirms their academic excellence by placing SBU 20th in its ranking of regional universities in the North region. You can learn more about how St. Bonaventure can open doors to sports reporting careers at sbujournalism.com. That's sbujournalism.com. Hey, this is Linda Cohn from ESPN, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. ML Sports Platter back with you all over the major platforms. Make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review. We are brought to you by Burn Dairy, Welch & Company Jewelers, Elevate Fitness of Syracuse, and our good friends over at Stanley Law Offices. Together, they'll work to get you the maximum reward. And a huge tip of the cap thank you as well to friends of the ML Sports Platter, the Alonzo family, Bob Lindsley, Daryl Abert, and the Swan and Whitaker families. Could not thank all of those individuals enough for their support of the program. So, Quick um, segment here on what's next for the Minnesota Vikings, and then uh, I'm going to go into a crossover episode on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network, the Pandemonium Podcast, where I dove deep, uh, just me, into three big topics for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Is Sean McDermott still the right head coach for this team? Right? That's number one. Number two, 2023 is a huge year for so many coaches, so many players, and I'll get to those uh, in that episode, and then also where the jo- the Bills are failing Josh Allen the most. But first, quick segment on the Vikings. I've been doing this with a lot of these teams, you know, like what's next for them after the season, blah, blah, blah. i got to be honest with you. If I'm a Viking fan, I, I, I just don't know how I can stay positive at this point. They went 13-4 and four in the regular season. That's nice. And the regular season is nice. It's important. You have to be a good team to get to the playoffs. Once you're in the playoffs, anything can happen, blah, blah, blah. But actually, with the Vikings, nothing happens in the postseason because they have a team that continues to have a piss-poor defense. And while Kirk Cousins didn't really play bad by the percentages, 31 to 39, two touchdowns and all the rest, 273 yards against the Giants – Kirk Cousins is not a difference maker. He's not an elite quarterback. It is very rare it can happen. Brad Johnson, Trent Dilfer, Jeff Hostetler, Nick Foles, backups or just regular old dudes being Super Bowl champs. But usually it's Bart Starr. Usually it's Roger Staubach. Usually it's Terry Bradshaw, Joe Montana. Usually, right, it's Troy Aikman, Steve Young, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. Right? And we had Joe Flacco as well. Put him into the aforementioned, you know, the first group. (laughs) 
but but usually it's the elite of the elite. It's Ben Roethlisberger, it's Drew Brees, it's all these guys, right? And so the Vikings have two huge problems. They have Kirk Cousins, a quarterback, and they have a defense that's awful. And their front office has done a horrible job, just a piss-poor job at finding defensive players, drafting the right defensive players. And even if they get a couple of fits that they think might work, they don't in, in, in free agency. And you just go up and down the roster, right? Where is the difference maker on the Minnesota Vikings outside of Zadarius Smith? Like, where? And he's a wonderful player. Don't get me wrong. 2015 fourth-round pick out of, uh, out of Kentucky, picked by Baltimore. I mean, he's had an unbelievable career so far. He has. 54 and a half sacks. He's played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight seasons. Missed almost all of 2021 with the Packers. Minnesota took a flyer on him. Had a killer year. Killer year. Ten sacks. He is a monster player. And I remember an interview that he did earlier in the year about, you know, we can, we can, and this was with Green Bay, like we can be dominant if we come together. And then he felt the same way about the Vikings. I heard him on some interviews this year. Well, you can't because <laughs> you don't have any help, <laughs> you know. Um, he had 44, you know, uh, or 32 uh, solo tackles, 12 were assisted. Um, he's, just, he's just a wonderful, wonderful player, but he, he doesn't have any help. And he's a linebacker who is asked to do a lot. Uh, he's a linebacker who can rush the passer, can stop the run, et cetera. But other than him, where is the other guy? Like, part of what makes the 49ers such a dominant defense and one of the best, if not the best in the league, is that they have multiple players humming and coming at you. They are like a freaking bee's nest, man. Armstead, Greenlaw, Bosa, Fred Warner, right? They just keep humming. They keep coming at you. Jordan Hicks, Cameron Bynum, Eric Hendricks, Duke Shelley. Come on, man. Like, where's the difference maker? Harrison Phillips? Like, really? What? They need help big time. <clears throat> the Vikings, they need to go get a quarterback, and they need to go get three to five player. I would put so many eggs in the basket defensively. And plus, you know, you're you're <clears throat> pretty much stuck here with Kirk Cousins until his contract, you know, runs out, right? I mean, so if you're a Minnesota fan, even if you want him gone, nobody's going to trade for him and, and, and pick up that kind of money. You're just not. Um, but he has one more year. Um, on this contract where he's getting, it's a $36 million plus cap hit, which is ridiculous. He's got a base salary of $10 million, six-plus million in terms of signing bonus, $20 million plus, uh, as far as roster uh, salary. And that, you know, averages to over $36 million. It's just, it's insane, okay? So if the Vikings were to keep him, Obviously, um, you know, the 24 and 25 seasons are automatically void with a 12.5 million dead cap, right? He has a full no-trade clause. So he he's the quarterback of the Vikings in 2023. But he's 34 years old. Um, it's time to go get a quarterback for your future and maybe even sign a veteran and try to figure out that position because we know that that's the first problem with the Vikings in terms of getting to the next level. Kirk Cousins, he can put up 4,000 yards. He can win a division. He can be exciting. He and Justin Jefferson were an unbelievable tandem. But again, how far can you get once you're in the playoffs? And the Vikings just stall once they get there. And then you need a potpourri of defensive players. You, you've got to have a ton of defensive guys, uh, difference makers, um, to, to help Zedarius Smith and company because they could not stop the run against the Giants. They could not stop the pass against many teams this year. It doesn't matter if they play man or zone or what happens, but my gosh, they have got to get players, um, you know, in the NFL draft on that side of the football because they're just going to continue to get trampled on. Um, and as far as their pick goes, um, you know, I think – you know, you probably don't want to trade up because you need all the capital possible. Um, 
you know, maybe you try to trade down and, and add more picks, but they're in a decent spot at 24. And, you know, we've heard a lot about Lucas Van Ness out of uh, Iowa. Would be a great pick. They need an explosive edge rusher like a Nolan Smith or a better run defender like a Lucas Van Ness. And you get a Van Ness in there. He learns from Daniel Hunter. He, he learns from Daniel Hunter. He learns from Zadarius Smith. And you go from there, right? We'll see who's on the board. You know, maybe you look at a Trenton Simpson if he's there at linebacker, right? Uh, you know, maybe you go corner with a Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State. Uh, Devin Witherspoon, I don't know if he'll be available, the terrific corner out of Illinois. But they've got to go defense. They've got to go edge rusher or run stuffer or something on defense. And then they got to go defense again and again and again and again and again and figure out the quarterback beyond Kirk Cousins. Because everything else, I mean, you kind of like it, right? I mean, you like Dalvin Cook. I don't know how many more years he has left. I mean, running backs, you know, the shelf life, we know how that goes. And he's, stunningly enough, been in the league already for, let's see, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. I mean, you know, he's been, wait a minute, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, six years. Um, So he's probably got a couple of years left, few years left, no doubt. I mean, he just had 1,100-plus yards and eight touchdowns. (laughs) It's a pretty good year. A lot to like there, and you can argue that Justin Jefferson's the best uh, receiver in the NFL. TJ Hawkinson, they picked up, had a wonderful year. Adam Thielen, I'm pretty sure that all those guys come back, right? So there's a lot to like there with the receiver corps. There's a lot to like there with the tight end and the running back. Quarterback shady, defense is awful, and uh, you got to shore those up in the draft for 2023 and beyond. ML Sports Platter here brought to you by Burn Dairy Stanley Law Offices and our great friends over at Welch and Company Jewelers. Make sure you log on today to welchjewelers.com. Shop the showcase today. They've got engagement rings, wedding rings, and a heck of a lot more. Bracelets, watches, and everything in between at welchjewelers.com. And, of course, a huge tip of the cap. Thank you as well to Bowers & Company CPAs, Jam & Beats, Barks & Rec Doggy Daycare, and Stumble & Monkey Brewing Company. Coming up next, I have a crossover episode from the Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network where I get into the Buffalo Bills in their offseason. Uh, questions galore after another disappointing finish in the postseason. Is Sean McDermott the right head coach for this team? Uh, 2023 is a huge year for so many guys. A.J. Epinesa, Boogie Basham, Greg Russo, Kyrie Elam, Dane Jackson, um, uh, Gabe Davis, James Cook, uh, Dawson Knox. It's such a big year. Coaches, Aaron Cromer, etc. Eric Washington. So I'll get into that next and also... Uh, The third thing is where the Buffalo Bills are failing Josh Allen. All of that coming up here on the ML Sports Platter from the Pandemonium Podcast and the Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to Pandemonium with Mike Lindsley on the Buffalo Bills, exclusively on the Built to Buffalo Podcast Network. Bills Mafia, what's going on? Mike Lindsley here, host of the Pandemonium Podcast on the Built to Buffalo Podcast Network. Make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review where you get podcasts on your smartphone device and get us on all the social platforms as well. Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and more at built in Buffalo underscore on Twitter and the subscription to the YouTube page. We're flying seven days a week, of course, with video and audio and uh, articles up at built in Buffalo news.com and a lot of awesome, um, you know, content related to the off season, the upcoming draft, uh, just a lot going on, uh, up, up on the, up on the site. So make sure you uh, check out the website on a daily basis, as well as we have so many great content creators. So this show is just going to be me and I've got three big topics to hit, uh, in this one. Number one, Sean McDermott. And if he's really still the right guy for the bills as head coach, number two is 2023 is a huge year for many individuals, including the aforementioned McDermott. And number three, where the Bills are failing Josh Allen. So let's get started. 
Sean McDermott, he has done amazing things in Buffalo, okay? I feel like every single time you rip somebody or, like, give a fair take, you have to, like, preface it, you know, so the trolls don't come out. But they're going to come out no matter what. But I do recognize, and I think people may miss this on a lot of my videos and, and, and previous podcasts, like, I know that he's done some amazing things. I mean, he broke the drought, changed the culture, uh, team building. He and Brandon Bean, uh, you know, have done wonders, uh, you know, making the Bills relevant and making them, um, for a short period of time, a contender. I'm not sure they are anymore. Um, you know, they've gone to the playoffs multiple times. They've won multiple division titles. They've gotten playoff wins. Um, you know, they've been on prime time. They've gotten a lot of attention steered their way. So all of those things he deserves credit for. There's no doubt about it. But what happens in the NFL, you see, is once you get to a level, you, you kind of come out of the abyss a little bit. You come out of the dungeon. You come out of the cellar, right, the basement of the NFL, which is where the Bills were during the drought with, you know, many other teams. Um, you get out of that. You hire the right people. You hire the GM, you know, the head coach, and then the GM in this particular case. But whatever order it comes in, you need the GM, the quarterback, and the head coach, right? And the Bills, we thought, maybe had all of them to get to a Super Bowl. But maybe they don't. Maybe they have just two of the three. And McDermott isn't that guy. Maybe at this point. Because you get to a certain point in the NFL where you can only go so far with what you have. And I'm fearing that the Bills are at that point with McDermott. And 13 seconds still haunts the franchise. A lot of people, you know, in the offseason thought, okay, you know, Super Bowl or bust. I don't subscribe to that, by the way. Sports are too hard. The NFL is too hard. Um, You know, they go out and get Von Miller. They go out and have another good draft. Josh Allen's, you know, a superstar and was elite in the postseason last year. He deserved better. You know, in Kansas City, uh, they should have won that game and then hosted a, 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 an AFC title game, and I believe the Bills would have won that, and then you take your chances in the Super Bowl. Um, so all these things have been happening, and the Bills have been knocking on the door, knocking on the door, knocking on the door. But it's once you get to the postseason, it's the little things, it's the game management, it's the coaching, it's simplicity, and the Bills have now, multiple years in a row, shown that they are not you know, certainly the conference title teams that we've seen in terms of the 49ers, Eagles, Bengals, and Chiefs, and now the two Super Bowl teams in terms of the Chiefs and the Eagles, although KC might be building a dynasty and we can just say that nobody is the Kansas City Chiefs right now. Um, But it's like the game against Cincinnati where they completely and utterly got outplayed. They had eight penalties for 60 yards. The Bengals only had two for nine. Um, The game management... You know, holding all the timeouts in the first half makes no sense. Uh, They didn't go forward on fourth and long at the Bengals 41 when you weren't stopping Cincinnati ever. Um, And then later in the second half, you didn't go for it, you know, on fourth and two with your 6'5", 240-pound quarterback who you're going to start paying $40 million a year to who has been an MVP candidate and last year was the best postseason player, um, you know, I, I thought by far, right? Uh, with those performances against New England and Kansas City, Allen was absolutely spectacular. Those are the things that, you know, Sean Payton, who, by the way, as I record this just a couple hours ago, it was announced that he's going to be head coach uh, of the Denver Broncos. Um, you know, those are the things that Sean Payton does not do, right? The things that Bill Belichick in his heyday did not do. Those are the things that Zach Taylor does not do. Nick Sirianni, Kyle Shanahan. Um, you know, those are the things that, Andy Reid maybe used to do in Philadelphia, right? The fourth quarter, burning those timeouts and the game management and all that, but he certainly doesn't do that now. And you can say whatever you want about, well, it's easier now because he has Brett Veach's GM and Mahomes' quarterback. And well, yeah, but he also learned, right? So Andy Reid, you know, has an elite quarterback, but so does Sean McDermott. And, you know, he has elite Travis Kelsey, but the Bills have elite Stephon Diggs. And there's just a lot of talent and a lot going on from the quarterback on down on the roster. And I just am wondering here with McDermott being a defensive mind, which I worried about when they hired him, you know, is he the long-term answer as head coach for this team to win a championship? He's probably good enough right now to go win division championships. He's good enough to make the playoffs 
he's good enough to win a playoff game or two. But once you get to the conference title game, you know, what do you got? And we saw him, and I don't care if it was Leslie Frazier who called on, you know, the prevent defense to the boundaries. Um, I don't care if it was him. If it was him, then McDermott should have overridden him. He's the CEO head coach of the team. You can do that. If it wasn't Frazier and it was McDermott, well, <laughs> then the blame lies even heavier on Sean. Um, you know, that was a bad look, obviously. And so I'm just really, really concerned that the Bills have maybe hit their ceiling with McDermott as head coach. Now, that leads into my next subject on the pod. 2023 is a monstrous year for the Buffalo Bills in so many ways, with so many individuals, okay? I just talked about McDermott. I'm moving off of him. It's a big year for Brandon being in the draft because all you needed to see in the AFC title game and throughout all the postseason, for that matter, was how much rookies were making a difference. Just look at the Kansas City Chiefs, you know? The Kansas City Chiefs against the Cincinnati Bengals in games previous to that they had guys who were spectacular for them, right? I mean, absolutely spectacular. Look at Isaiah Pacheco, right? From Rutgers, a 5'10", 215-pound running back from Rutgers. In the seventh round, he was taken, and he has made a huge difference for this team. He leapfrogged Edward Zelaire as a starting running back. He's a threat to catch it, threat to run it. He had 830 yards from scrimmage. He was a weapon so far in the playoffs as they are now in the Super Bowl. That's just one example, right? Here's another example. How about George Karloftis? A defensive end who the Bills have, a position, excuse me, that the Bills have literally like gone gaga over in the last several drafts. And that's another one that we'll get to when we talk about failing Josh Allen. Um, but George Karloftis is a rookie out of Purdue. He's a defensive end, 6'4", 265 pounds. He was way more effective in the postseason games leading into the Super Bowl than Greg Rousseau, than A.J. Panessa, than Ed Oliver. Right? He's playing an upfront defensive position, which is the what the Bills have shot their load on the last few years in the draft. He has been spectacular. He's been a difference maker. You know, Trent McDuffie. I loved Trent McDuffie coming out of Washington. I loved him. Loved his whole career. 5'11", 200-pound kid. A lot of people say, well, he doesn't have the size and the speed and the arms to, you know, he doesn't have the length. Looked pretty good to me, you know. First round, 21st pick overall. Played a great corner this year and showed up in the postseason. He did a lot more than, and again, I'm not giving up on Kyrie Lim, and I'll get to some of these guys down the line, but, like, he did a lot more from beginning to end than Kyrie Lim did. It's just a fact. So their rookies have been way, way, way better than the Bills' rookies. And that's a draft thing. And so because of those problems with the Bills, they need to go out and they need to draft more people. But also, what about the development of guys? It is a huge year in 2023. And here are some of the names. And I get that Von Miller going down really hurt the Bills, right? But it's a next-man-up league by the same token. I mean, the Bills really did not get in the postseason and frankly, during the regular season, you know, enough out of the frontline guys. And some of these players, the Bills have, you know, drafted, you know, Greg Rousseau, A.J. Epinesa, Ed Oliver, right? These are first and second round guys, man. I mean, you know, these are guys you need to pretty much hit on. I'm not going to say all of them because the draft is such a crapshoot. But you probably need to hit on like two out of three or four. Do we know if they've hit on these guys yet? You know, and Ed Oliver, I mean, he was a top 10 pick. You know, he, he's, he's, he's a player the Bills need to have, you know, if they're going to wreck games defensively, right? Which clearly they didn't against Cincinnati. They got absolutely pushed around while the Bengals missed three offensive linemen and had a fourth one hurt in the first half. You know, Ed Oliver had two and a half sacks this year. That's not good enough. He didn't show up in the playoffs. That's not good enough. He was drafted ninth overall in the 2019 draft. He's been in the league now. 19, 20, 21, 22. Four years. Ed Oliver 
is not what we thought. He has had some amazing splash plays. He loves Thanksgiving. You can see the talent. You can see the size agility combination. But really, Ed Oliver has not panned out. He just hasn't. Shaq Lawson is another guy. He was picked by the Bills in the 2016 draft. Now, granted, that was pre-regime, but the point is, the point remains that, again, first round pick, number 19 overall, right? Like, Shaq Lawson completely and utterly disappeared this year. He was in it for a while, him and Jordan Phillips. It was like, oh, cool. Part of the band members brought, you know, back together, right? The band's back together on the D-line, and Lawson, I miss Buffalo, and He's a great rotational piece, and then all, all of a sudden he wasn't, right? A.J. Epinesa. This was the year maybe you kind of said, we're going to kind of know, right? Well, do we know? I mean, he's three years into the league. He's a round two pick. The Bills got nothing out of A.J. Epinesa for most of the regular season and all the postseason. Got nothing from him. Boogie Basham. Splash play here, splash play there. Again, second round pick right? These are all guys the Bills desperately need to perform at the highest level. And they're all failing right now. Jordan Phillips was a round two pick in 2015 by the Dolphins. Same deal here. I've Obviously, I know the injuries got to him too, but they need more from these guys. It is a huge year for all these guys. Now listen, all the players I just mentioned, I'm not ready to totally give up on. I think maybe the defensive philosophy also needs to change by Frazier and McDermott. Maybe you need to mix in more blitzing. Maybe you need to mix in more man with the zone. Enough of this too high safety crap and giving everybody six, seven, eight yards cushion 13 seconds into the Bengals playoff game where they just give Chase and Higgins and Boyd. I mean, listen, it's hard enough to guard these guys. It's hard enough to play defense in the NFL, man. Like, it's hard enough. And the Bills just routinely give the Travis Kelseys and all these great, great players, and I know that they can run routes and beat you anyway, but why don't you make them work for it, you know? The Bills give too much cushion. The high, the too high safety, I almost call it like an open zone. It, it's just too, it's too much of a cushion for offenses. Maybe you need to mix in a little bit of man with that, you know? The Bills, I understand, work that too high safety deal on the condition that they're going to gain pressure. Well, guess what? They're not gaining pressure. I know Von Miller was out, but the rest of these guys did not do much. And they need to step up in 2023. I'm not willing to give up on these guys, but the time is now. I mean, it would be, I think, important for Bean, McDermott, and whoever to sit down with these guys and go, look, this is the year we're going to figure out sustainability as a Buffalo Bill. Now, Greg Rousseau might have a little bit of a longer leash. He's a 2021 pick. He's only played two years. You see a lot there. He's got great size, speed, got a really good motor. You just need more consistency out of him. He did have eight sacks this year. Let's not forget about that. You know, he's 6'6", 265 with an incredible, incredible skill set and potential. I'm not giving up on any of these guys fully. I'm not. Uh, I'm closer to giving up on Epinesa. I'm closer to giving up on Oliver. I'm closer to giving up on you know, Phillips and Lawson than I am Russo, you know, and Basham just because of, you know, obviously the amount of time that they've been in the NFL. But it's a huge, 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 huge year coming up in 2023 for these guys. And I could say the same thing for the corners and some of the secondary players. You know, um, you know, uh, you got Kyrie Elam, who was a rookie, played a lot of, uh, of man in college at Florida. They picked him, tried to teach him some zone concepts, was struggling with that. Uh, he got overtaken a couple of times. Uh, he didn't even really gain a spot, and that was even with the Trey White injury. Uh, he came on late in the year. Again, only one year. I'm not willing to give up on him. But is Kyrie Elam sustainable? Big year for him. I want to see what he has. I'm not giving up on him, but I want to see what he has. It's a big year. You know, where are we at with Dane Jackson? You know, had that serious injury. We thought against Tennessee, bounced back. Uh, had 49 solo tackles, had two interceptions this year. He's a 2020 pick, so he's been in the league for three years. Dane Jackson, not ready to give up on him, but again, big year for him. Is he sustainable? Shin Benford, he was injured, I understand. There's been talk by McDermott that they're going to move him to safety. I love that move. Um, but again, a guy you thought maybe could help you in year one, 
no chance I'm giving up on him, especially now with a, a position change. But where are we at with him, right? Dean Marlowe, remember a couple years ago, had that incredible fumble recovery on the strip. Cam Newton and the Patriots were driving down, right? And the ball stripped by Zimmer. And Dean Marlowe covers it up and ba-boom. Dean Marlowe is an old friend. They brought him back and had another, you know, hey, let's bring the band back together type of guy. But now we're dealing with a guy who, you know, is in his seventh season coming up. And where are we at with this guy? I mean, is he an answer at safety? You know, this secondary is very depleted because Trey White is not close to what he used to be. And Christian Benford's coming off injury. Um, you know, Kyrie Elam, we've talked about with the struggles and all the rest is rookie year. Dane Jackson, okay? This is not an ideal situation. Is DeMar Hamlin going to play football again? What's up with Dean Marlowe? Jordan Poyer's in free agency. I haven't seen anything out of Jaquan Johnson that makes me feel great. And Micah Hyde is entering his, what, 11th season coming off of a serious neck injury at the age of 32. <laughs> I mean, this secondary is a disaster right now. And most of it, I'm not going to give up on. But I need to see this year, I think, has got to be the year. For anybody who's more than two years in the league, let's, let's lay it there. Let's put the line there. It's got to be their time. We have got to know if this is sustainable with these players I just mentioned. Now, we go to the offensive line and we go to the running backs and we go to the wide receivers, all right? So the running back room, James Cook, year one, got to see more. Is he a potential game breaker that they thought? That's why they drafted him. They wanted him to be that guy who can bust it to the end zone. James Cook... I think we saw a lot of really, really important stuff from him this season after the fumble on, on the first night of the, of the season against the Rams. He fumbled his first carry, did not fumble it again in over 100 carries. That's a huge deal. He's a threat out of the backfield. He's a threat uh, you know, to run the ball and, and break it a little bit. He's definitely a player the Bills are going to be counting on in the future. Uh, but we got to have a little bit more here out of the running game, right? I mean, the Bills can't keep having Josh Allen be the lead rusher you know, Cook had 507 yards. If Devin Singletary walks in free agency, and again, he's probably going to commit between six to eight million minimum. I am not paying Devin Singletary that. We'll see if he'll come back on a team-friendly deal. We'll see if he wants to be in Buffalo. We'll see if they can sign him to a multi-year deal at cheaper money per year. I don't know. But if he's going to command that kind of money, I'm not bringing him back, and I'm handing the keys to the kingdom, uh, to the running back kingdom, to James Cook, right? They got Naheem Hines coming back at just under five million on the cap, I believe. Um, you know, I still think that they'll probably have to go out and get a running back somewhere in the draft upcoming um, to replace Singletary. But I'm not nowhere near going to give up on James Cook. But like the other players mentioned, it's a big year for James Cook. It is a monstrous year coming up for Gabe Davis. Now, let me let me quickly say that I give Gabe Davis a partial pass this year. Not a full pass, but a partial pass. Gabe Davis had the ankle injury, and he didn't look right for a long stretch of the season. He couldn't make his usual routes. He wasn't the deep threat the Bills hoped. He wasn't running at full speed a lot of times. That creates a lot of different things. People think that somehow the ankle injury is separate from dropping the football. It's not. Your mind is on your foot. Your mind is on your ankle, and it creates blunders in other parts of your game. Gabe Davis did show as the year went on, he was that tiptoeing machine on the sideline. That game against Miami in the playoffs, he was spectacular with 113 yards and a touchdown on six catches. Uh, he showed some things in the previous Miami game during the regular season. But there were a lot of 30, you know, 35, 45, 55 yard type games this year. And they just all added up to 836 yards and seven touchdowns. Average, he averaged 17.4 yards a catch. That's still pretty good. I mean, for a down year, Gabe Davis still had 836 years as wide uh, yards as, as wide receiver number two. The problem is he's not T. Higgins. <laughs> the problem is right now he's probably not even Devontae Smith, right? And the Bills need him to be literally the 1A. Forget about the number two to Stephon Diggs. They need him to be the 1A. 
They've got to have him be, if this offense is supposed to be what we think it is, they need two 1,000-yard receivers, basically. I mean, there's no other way to, to shake it down. So, for me, it's a huge year for Gabe Davis. He just finished his third year in the NFL. He had a coming-out party in the divisional playoff against Kansas City a year ago, to which everybody was pointing at him as being the breakout star. He was as big a part of the hype and expectation for the Bills as anybody. They've got to have Gabe Davis in 2023, and I'm still okay with, hey, let's give him more time. I'm okay with that. Gabe Davis might even be at the top of the list for let's give him more time, really. Khalil Shakir, I'm skipping right over him. I've seen plenty out of him as a rookie for what the Bills needed. I thought he really delivered. He made some good catches. He improved throughout the year. He's fast as hell. Maybe you put him right into the slot at this particular point, have McKenzie back him up. You know, McKenzie, this is probably the last year for him either way. Um, you know, he's entering in the seventh year. I think we pretty much know what he is at this point, so I have no expectations for him in 2023. Uh, as far as the offensive line goes, I mean, this team comes back with basically, you know, two sure things or almost sure things with Deion Dawkins at left tackle and Mitch Morse at center. Every offensive line, lineman really did regress in 2022, which is a terrifying thought. Um, you know, where are we at with Ryan Bates? Roller coaster Ryan Bates, I like to call him, right? I'm not willing to give up on him. I'm not. Um, you know, you're talking about a guy going into, what, his fifth year? Um, he was a 20, uh, yeah, fourth season, so fifth season coming up. Um, you know, I'm not willing yet to give up on him, but again, we got to see if he's sustainable. I mean, all these guys are in the group of, hey, are these guys going to be Buffalo Bills? Can they produce to the point where you can keep them beyond 2023, right? Beyond 2023. Um, so he's he's one guy that, that we're going to have heavy eyes on. And we're going to have heavy, heavy eyes on Spencer Brown, man. I mean, Spencer Brown was horrific this year for the most part. And it's a real, real conundrum here with this guy because he has got a tremendous amount of uh, athleticism, agility, footwork, hands. He's a monster at 6'8", 315. Big, tall guy. But I'm going to give him a partial pass like I am Gabe Davis, and here's why. He's only been in the league for two years. He had a bad back this year. He's a tall individual. When you're taller, the back hurts more. Just how it is. You know? I mean, it really is. And so... I'm willing to hold off on, well, let's just remove Spencer Brown. Let's get him another year of seasoning. Let's see if he can bounce back and stay consistent, which will then lead to some sustainability on the offensive line. Because in an ideal world, the Bills need to be healthy and the Bills need to be consistent on the O-line. And it needs to go Deion Dawkins' left tackle. Right now, left guard is totally up in the air. Roger Saffel was awful this year, but he's a veteran. I have no expectations if he comes back at all. Um, Mitch Morse at center, Ryan Bates at right guard, and then you've got to have right tackle at Spencer Brown. Those are your mainstays. If you bring Saffold back, you know, I would only pay him, you know, 500 grand and a bag of footballs. If he doesn't want to come back for that, bye-bye. I'm just kidding. Maybe a little bit more than that. Whatever league minimum is. Minimum is. I know it's not 500 grand, but you know my point. So those are the main guys I am looking at for the Buffalo Bills in 2023. A lot of guys, a lot of upside, a lot of potential, but we've got to see it for the long term. We've got to see it one more year from some of these guys. Then you have some kind of like just guys dangling out there like Ike Butker, who's going to do his sixth year. I mean, we pretty much know what he is at this point, right? Greg Van Roten he is awful going into his ninth year as a veteran, you know, at this point. Um you know, Bobby Hart, we pretty much know what he is at this point. David Questenberry was awful as a rotational piece. Going, to, going into his fifth year, we pretty much know what he was, or he, he is going to be, right? We pretty much know. I mean, so I'm looking at, to a small degree, James Cook. Gabe Davis, partial pass, but again, let's see more. Can you be the guy we thought you were going to be? You know what? I forgot one guy. Quentin, or uh, uh, Dawson Knox. I mean, did the Bills prematurely pay him? I mean, with Tremaine Edmonds coming up and some people want to pay Jordan Poyer, I'd, 
be careful with Jordan Poyer. Uh, I would let Jordan Poyer, you know, basically, you know, if he doesn't want to come back on the team-friendly deal type of a thing, let him walk to, to see what happens in free agency. Test test the market. Somebody wants him that bad, they'll overpay for him, and you don't you don't sign him. And if that's the Dolphins, so be it. But Jordan Poyer's 32, and he has been an amazing Buffalo Bill. Amazing. One of my favorite players. However, this year we finally saw what people were worried about going into this year. 32 years of age, injuries galore, multiple injuries galore, right? All over the place. And I hope that his final play in Buffalo was not running into Trey White against the Bengals. I hope so. Um, I would love Jordan Poyer back for another year or two. Uh, try to get him and hide one more chance. I'm not totally, totally, totally giving up on those guys, but I am wildly concerned about the injury factor and the age factor and just the amount of miles they put on those tires. Um, so we'll see. But Tremaine Edmonds, right? I mean, he's a huge, huge piece of that defense right now. Did the Bills prematurely pay Dawson Knox? You know, I mean, for what they're paying him right now, and again, I know Dawson had a tough year. The adversity of the team, you know, fought. A lot of it came with his brother. But from a football standpoint, 517 yards and six touchdowns, I don't know. Not, not, not really good enough. And I don't want to hear people, oh, he's not Travis Kelsey. Well, nobody is. But they're paying Dawson Knox to kind of be like, you know, second deck tight end here. And he's just really not, right? I mean, is he even Dallas Goddard? I don't, I don't think so, you know? I mean, that's that's what I'm talking about, you know? that I mean, is he even that type of player, right? <laughs> is he even a Darren Waller? No. Certainly not a George Kittle, you know? So a Dawson Knox is a guy, again, though, 2019 picks, so 19, 20, 21, 22, gave him that big deal. He's entering his fifth season in the NFL, okay? So there's a guy right there, again, that the Bills really need from a sustainability standpoint maybe 2023 tells us you know and the salary cap is probably the most overrated thing in the NFL because you can cut people whenever you want which frees up money the Bills might have to do that if Dawson Knox does not produce to the level they need him to next year with that amount of money they might have to cut him they might but I'm looking at Knox I'm looking at to a degree Cook uh halfway with the partial pass with Gabe Davis definitely looking at Spencer Brown but again half pass though on that right? Um, you know, for sure, looking at Boogie Basham, AJ Epinesa, Shaq Lawson, Greg Rousseau, at Oliver, Jordan Phillips, you know, looking at all those guys. Um, Christian Benford, again, was injured, so too early to tell, plus he'll switch positions most likely. He gets a full pass. Kyrie Elam, let's see what we got here. Gain momentum at the end of the year, but again, got to get more from him in year two. Dane Jackson, right? Where are we at with Jaquan Johnson? Eh, we pretty much know what he is. Dean Marlowe, eh, entering year seven. Where are we at? So those are all the guys I'm looking at. Like, wow, that, it is a huge year coming up in 2023. And, and, and last but not least, the coaches. I mean, I already talked about Sean McDermott. But Leslie Frazier, defensive coordinator. Ken Dorsey is OC. Ken Dorsey in year one was not even close to what Brian Dable was as a, as a play caller. Anybody who thought it would be a swift transition was crazy, and I told them that. Told everybody that before the year. I said, calm down. This is not going to be just some simple switch, you know, flip the switch, and you've got this guy who's just going to be Brian Dable all over again. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Ken Dorsey, I, however, am not giving up on. I think there is room for improvement. Josh Allen thinks so as well. He told Kyle Brandt that, you know, in the basement on the basement show. And Dorsey needs to get more creative he needs to scheme better he needs to mix in more run where necessary he needs to mix in more Stefan Diggs where necessary and when teams start to take pieces away Diggs namely he has got to figure out a way to get the ball into other people's hands smartly I realize that sometimes he did do it and Josh Allen didn't take what the defense gave him but they've got to get on the same page with that and start out-scheming the other team instead of when they come at you with something, you never adjust and you never throw a different scheme at them. Leslie Frazier defensively, really nice guy. But, dude, get it together, man. You know, seriously. I mean, this defense got trampled on 
against the Bengals. They got trampled on many times during the year. You know, from the run to the play-action passes and the rollouts, third down and long. My God, if I have to watch the Bills give up another third and long, I'm going to puke. Remember when it was 17-10, Bengals? Remember that? All the Bengals did was throw it to Hayden Hurst, their fourth weapon, fifth if you're counting a running back in Joe Mixon. I mean, it's pathetic. And that happened over and over and over and over and over again this year, right? However, this is a Sean McDermott defense. It's that open zone, too high safety look, prevent the big play. We're counting on our pass rushers. And again, this is part of what makes the NFL so hard, right? Because it's all got to come together in every phase of the game. And I'm not saying it's easy, but these guys have got to start getting it together. You know, some of these coaches, other coaches, assistants, they've got to get it together. I'm looking namely at, you know, guys like Aaron Cromer and Eric Washington. Offensive line coach, senior defensive assistant, defensive line coach. This Bills team is getting trampled on at the line of scrimmage. Get it together. This is the final year for me with these guys if they don't perform. If they don't get these guys to be motivated, you know, scheme correctly, cut down on penalties, I'm done with Aaron Cromer and I'm done with Eric Washington. I'm done. And the point of the middle of this podcast is that I'm not done all the way with these guys. I want to give them one more shot. But all these dudes I just mentioned, their seat's getting a little hotter. You know? Their seat's getting a little hotter. Chad Hall, wide receiver coach. Dude, no excuses, man. There's another one. So I'm looking at these guys predominantly, all the players and coaches I just mentioned. And the final topic I'm going to get to is this. The Bills have failed Josh Allen because they have gone out and they have drafted and favored defense first in five of their past six drafts. From 19 to 21, you're talking about two first-round picks, two second-round picks on the defensive line. In 22 free agency, the Bills used what? A lot of their cap space on the defensive line, right? They added Daquan Jones, Tim Settle, Von Miller, and they got one friggin' sack against Joe Burrow. Again, no, no Von Miller, but Von Miller wasn't the only player on the team. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't see Von Miller rushing by himself, you know? There's a full corpse there of defensive line. Men, let's go. Um, the other one is that the defense that's been exposed, especially in the postseason, it actually impacts Josh Allen to a degree, right? I've always talked about this. In order to be an elite quarterback in the NFL, you have to do your thing. You're 50% you. You got to work. You got to learn the playbook. You got to listen to your coaches. You got to be a good teammate. You got to be a good leader. You know, so many things to improve, right? I mean, honestly, it's a hard gig. It's a hard gig. However, the other half is front office, making the right moves. Is the team staying healthy? Do you have continuity head coach and OC? Uh, Are you surrounded by weapons? A lot of people think that's just offensively. It's not. It's defensively as well. What I mean by that is, When the defense gets exposed in the postseason, like Buffalo did in losses to the Chiefs or Bengals, where the defense has given up an average of 35.6 points per game and 467.7 yards in three games, good God, it puts more pressure on Allen. And we've seen what happens when Allen is under duress and he's under pressure or the team is down. He takes it upon himself, okay, I got to go into the phone booth and I got to put that cape on. And that shouldn't be the case. Joe Burrow doesn't have to do it the way Allen does like that. Mahomes doesn't. Once in a while, sure, of course. I mean, he was a magician against the Bengals. But is there any one quarterback, really, that has been asked to do more than Josh Allen? I mean, those two teams that I just, quarterbacks I just mentioned, they have running games. Joe Mixon and Pacheco, they have running games. You know, Jalen Hurts isn't asked to do what Josh Allen does, you know, what he's asked to do. They have the best offensive line of football, and they have Miles Sanders. They run a lot of play action off of all that. And there's A.J. Brown, and there's Devontae Smith, and there's Dale Scotter, and there's the next guy. 
The defense has been a top unit throughout the past few regular seasons, but it just can't stop Mahomes and it can't stop Burrow when it matters the most. And that indirectly impacts Josh Allen. Because if you get down, he, he's, he's got to try and be superhero and try to win it. The offensive line, terrible. Just alluded to it. Two offensive linemen made life really hard for Allen. Roger Saffold, horrible. 74th of 78 guards. And right tackle Spencer Brown was graded 76 of 84 tackles, according to Pro Football Focus. Terrible. O-line's got to really, really, really improve. They need to go out and get some help in the draft. That should be actually priority number one for me. Play calling, Dorsey just talked about the up and down stuff, right? Wasn't going to be smooth. Um, now, the Bills averaged the second most points per game, 28.4, and the second most yards per game. But a lot of it came on explosive, off-script plays instead of, you know, the methodical moving of the ball. And in the playoffs, the offense was a joke. Ran out of gas, was terrible. Another area is because they've concentrated on defense so much, they don't have a consistent weapon for Allen outside of Diggs. We've talked about that. It's Stephon Diggs or bust. Now, Gabe Davis, again, I'm giving him half of a pass, as I mentioned. But, like, it goes beyond that, man, because Dawson Knox, I mean, come on. He, he has not provided what the Bills need. Isaiah McKenzie, eh. Jamison Crowder got hurt. Uh, they tried to bring the band back together with John Brown and Cole Beasley. Not a lot going on there. So the Bills need more help. Gabe Davis, by the way, had the second lowest catch rate in the NFL at 51.6%. And McKenzie had six drops, and he took a step back, no question. So the wide receiver two position should be addressed in free agency or the draft. Now, you could say, well, no, 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 no. Wide receiver three should be that because Gabe Davis is still WR2. We're still going to give him a shot. And I'm okay with that thinking. I'm okay with it. But all four teams who made it to the Conference Championship games, they have significantly better receiving corps than the Buffalo Bills. It's a fact. So that's the podcast. Some things to chew on. We got a long off season. Bills Mafia, thanks for hanging with us. Uh, you can hit me on Twitter at Mike L Sports and make sure you follow all of our uh, platforms socially for Built in Buffalo. Uh, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, and of course, subscribe and download to the Built in Buffalo podcast network, rate and review, listen, and of course, visit builtinbuffalonews.com. We have got great, I mean, great content cr- uh, creators, hustlers. Um, you know, we're on the super chats every single day. Uh, it's just a fun group to work with. And uh, we really hope that you uh, enjoyed our coverage in 2022 as far as the season goes. And there'll be plenty in the offseason as we get geared up for the NFL draft and then training camp. And then we try to run this thing back. Once again, again, I'm Mike Lindsley here, host of the Pandemonium Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. And as I always tell you, enjoy the games. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.